Welcome to A for No, B for Yes. All right, welcome to A for No, B for Yes podcast, everybody. On last episode, we had dived into the deep end and finished up the water temple. We helped Morpha find the mitochondria, and we saw Rudo become one of the sages. This episode, we have the Shadow Temple planned for you, as well as we're going into the bottom of the well in Kakariko Village. My name's Tony, and my co-hosts... I'm Ryan Fonzi. And I'm Cameron Hagee. And let's get this started. Alright, so, like you, you were saying before we finish the Water Temple, um, real, real quick, did either of you guys ever go back to being a kid before you got this far? No. Like this playthrough, I guess. Yes, I had to. I didn't actually go to Lon Lon Ranch at all until I already became an adult. So I had to go back and do the Lon Lon Ranch stuff as a kid after becoming an adult in order to get a Pona. Gotcha. Other than that, though, no. Okay. Cool, cool. Because there's there's a few cutscenes here, and like I feel like the order in which they go, it can be weirdly scrambled. Um, I know once you finish the Water Temple. Um, if you go back to Kakariko, I think you can get the uh, the bongo bongo busting out the well cutscene. Um, yep, and that's like without ever going back to the Temple of Time. But if you do go back to the Temple of Time at any point now, that I mean, since the Forest Temple, I believe um, you can get a cutscene where Sheik tells you about all the different places you're gonna go, and um, she, you know, they they give you the prelude of light, right? Like the, which, you know, just, just, I just wanted to talk about it because we hadn't like gone over it as a song. Um, you know, we, we talk about what all these different songs are. A prelude, I mean, is exactly what it sounds like. It's just an introductory piece of music. So, um, the prelude of light is, I mean, it's, it, it really doesn't say anything about the temple of time, I don't think, or the, you know, the light temple that exists inside of it. It's just like, kind of like a precursor to anything else it's the prelude of light because you know it's not it's not really a temple or anything but it is another song so i just figured we would mention it um but yeah other than that i think talking about that that bongo busting out the well scene um it's pretty cool i would say like in in my opinion the prelude of light would take you to the temple of time because the master sword has been like waiting there the entire time. And the master sword is like light itself. I guess it just needs something to wield it. So before the power of the master sword can be unleashed and bring light to the world, it just has to slumber until it's found. So it's kind of like the prelude to now, whenever this actually comes out, we going to be going somewhere. But until then, it's kind of like the prelude to light. That's that's what I would get uh, get into. I didn't really think about it much until you brought it up, but that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I think um, light has such a big meaning in this game that it could it could be that, and it could be something much bigger. Um, but um, I'll get into that when we get to the temple. I think just just to try to frame it a little bit. Cool. Um, yeah. So like. Yeah, I mean, aside aside from that, when we go back to Kakariko, I mean, I guess I don't even know if the game tells you to go back to Kakariko, but if you do, um, what you'll find as an adult anyway is that 
there's a building that's been basically lit on fire and there's no there's no explanation for that um and you know later on you can come back and there's not even like burn marks on, on the roof or anything where all the fire was some of the npcs will make comments about how they had to work together to put it out um but you also run into Sheik, who is standing by the well and like tells link to get back kind of ominously and then you know you see just this shadow emerge from the well and and basically just yeah manhandles you and Sheik. <laughs> the top of the well like the wooden piece just gets blasted 60 70 feet up and smashes and gets destroyed on the ground unless well that was in the 3ds version yeah yeah, I don't. I don't remember like the differences. I've actually watched both cutscenes recently because I started playing on the 3DS again too. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the three. I think the 3DS version does a really cool job of like making this a little more um, fleshed out. Yeah, fleshed out. I was gonna say like tactile. I feel like that's not maybe the right term. Um, it's like it's like when you can actually like it. It's more animated. Yeah. I, I don't have the word right now. I'll, it'll come to me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, so I think you know you you get the actual um. You get you can get the song. You get the nocturnal shadow. Like Sheik after this cutscene will come in comes in like you basically Link gets knocked out and gets woken back up by Sheik. Um, who I think explains the situation about Impa going to basically try to reseal this creature that escaped from the bottom of the well. Um, and then, and then, uh, he gives you the prey or not, the, not the prelude. He gives you the, uh, the nocturne of shadow, right? Yeah. Um, says, this is the melody that will draw you into the infinite darkness that absorbs even time. Listen to this, the nocturne of shadow. Um, this, that explanation doesn't do anything for me. It sounds like he's describing a, a black hole as if that's where we're headed. <laughs> um, like it's infinite darkness that absorbs even time. Like I know that time like appears to almost stop near a black hole. Um, I have heard of that as well, but, but I don't know enough of the science or enough of how that works to, to even get into it in terms of this game. Also, yeah, there's, no, not at all. there's no black hole in this game. So um, it's very confusing. Um, what I will say is that a nocturne, is a short composition. Um, basically, it's suggestive of night. Usually, it's a piano piece, and that's like according to just this quick Google search. Um, it says it can be like of a romantic or dreamy character, suggestive of night. I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but basically, like you know, it's nocturne of shadow. Shadow is also kind of suggestive of night. Um, you know, there's there's a few like meanings of shadow. Shadow actually has like the word shadow can actually mean a lot of things. Um, the, the most obvious is, you know, like in relationship to light, like, it, you know, it's like something that gets cast by an object that, you know, light hits and gets stopped by or whatever, you know, it's cast a shadow on the other side of it. Um, but it also can mean like a source of gloom or unhappiness, like, you know, like a, a shadow comes over you and like you're, you know. That's, yeah. Um, it can mean a state of uh, ignominy or obscurity. Um or it could also mean an attenuated form or vestigial remnant, which is kind of like, I feel like how you might describe like a ghost or something, <laughs> but basically like, it's like a piece of something that is like either thinned out or made lesser or is like remaining afterwards. It's like, it's like a, you know, 
like a piece kind of hanging off of whatever the main body was. Yeah, but the remnants. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like a lot of a lot of meanings that you could like kind of look at for this. Um, I guess the the biggest challenge I run into for this section of the game is that um, it's kind of run and describe like like the whole area, right? It's like it's used to be the Sheikah village. Like this all happens within Kakariko. Um, and a lot of what we're seeing is attached to that history, um, without actually being able to see what that history was. And I think like, as far as in terms of being like a vestigial remnant, I mean, it's kind of part of what this, I feel like it's like, it's the shadow of like what the Sheikah tribe was. Um, and so like a lot of this I, I find is attached to that, but I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's tricky to think about. I'm not going to lie. So for this episode, I don't have a very strong overall theory of what is happening or what Link is learning or how we're growing. Um, what I do have is some details that I picked up about what I think they're trying to get at in terms of what has happened in the history of the game. Um, and that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely talking points, but um it's this is like one of the most mysterious chapters i think um i as i went through it sort of got the theme of death in the sense that the last time we got accustomed to death was at the very beginning of the game with the great deku tree it was the first time link had in at least our eyes seen death and now we are getting back to Link as he is getting into this sort of death part of the game with shadows. And I don't want to go too much into it before we actually get to the main places we're going to, but I'll talk more about it later. Yeah. So some of the hints that we have, um, obviously the, the top of the well blew off the top of the well. Um, you know, that's where the monster came out of. I think there's Sheik might have even said something about having to like handle that. Um, but there were a few other like I think if you if you were to actually head to the Shadow Temple and get inside, um the temple itself will give you a hint before you even get through the first like real gateway and basically say that, you know, the shadow will only yield to one who holds the eye of truth or something like that. Um Yeah. So what we'll realize real quickly is that this is like our first first real encounter with uh, hidden doorways, like invisible walls, or I guess visible walls that don't actually exist. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like trick walls, right? Yeah. They don't have collision. Right. And, um, and so, I mean, it's a hint of this, this eye of truth. Um, now there's a there's actually a a character in Kakariko Village who gives a little history lesson if you talk to them and says um a long time ago um you know there was there was a man who lived in this village who they said had an eye who could see the truth um usually you have to train your mind's eye strenuously to actually see the truth but this fellow they said he had a different way of doing things um his house stood where the well is now um kind of kind of hinting at this at this well um but um, if you've never done, like, I know we talked about getting the Song of Storms, which actually drains the well. Um, 
And if you don't do this, you can't get down there. Right. So like, so, but, but it's kind of that, that another hint towards this, this eye of truth or this eye that can see the truth. Um, so what we need to do is actually, if we want to get the lens of truth, which, you know, you, you really do want to get the lens of truth. Um, you, you have to go back to being yes. a child again. Um, which is why I was talking about going back to the temple of time. Like for me, sometimes this is the first time I actually go back to the temple of time. Um, so it can, um, it, it's like, I don't know. It's like the first time it's, making that trip. Yeah, it's the first time that you're forced to go back to a child as an adult. Yeah. You never really need to, if you explored as a child and did pretty much everything, this would be the first time that you absolutely need to. And isn't it such a strange? Well, <laughs> This well is somehow connected to the windmill that drains it uh, when it speeds up. And the people also felt, I mean, who was the one who decided to lock the uh, the giant evil monstrosity like at the bottom of the water source? Impa. Was it, or was it just the Sheikah like all themselves a long time ago? But either way, they're drinking out of like <laughs> where this thing is sealed. And it's like the essence of evil. It's, that's just an odd place, in my opinion, for them to, to want to seal something. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. I think um I don't know. Like it kind of goes into that dark history stuff, but um like, you know, it's it's a little bit ominous that to say that this man has a different way of doing things cuz I you know, that could just be like, oh, he he didn't have like his actual eyes that could see it. He had this lens that could see it. Um but there's also a weird implication of like he had a different way of discovering the truth which may have been through um torture <laughs> based on what we find at the bottom of the well um oh, yeah that's true he he may have um had himself a dungeon in the in his basement or something before this well maybe. was put in yeah it's a big maybe um it's one of those things that like i said like i can't i can't say for sure because the game doesn't give quite enough information um but clearly somebody used this as a dungeon like if it wasn't him <laughs> Like it was, this either, is not part of the normal yeah. construction for a well for sure. Right. For sure. Like you, you don't get more water by, by having a crucifix in, in the bottom of the well. But, um, <laughs> but that's a little bit of a, a spoiler for later in the episode or so, having giant chambers with undead hands in them. Right. Um, so yeah, so we may remember that we learned from the guy in the windmill the song that he hates like he teaches it to us as an adult so when we go back as a kid to unlock the bottom of the well we go and we play that song for him um and i say <laughs> for, for him for him and like, <laughs> you ruin his life from this moment forward to get yeah. to the bottom of this well this this guy's miserable forward and, yeah this on its own is a really weird scene um because you speed up the well you make it rain indoors and the well like inexplicably empties. Now, I don't know if there's like a gate that relies on the windmill being at a certain speed that lets the water out. Um, there's an idea that I had about this where it kind of seems like, you know, he loves things that go around and round. You make it rain, but also water comes out of the well. I, I almost wonder if like the rain that you create is actually like drawn from the well <laughs> to make the rain. Um, and in a sense, this man's life is like, is ruined because basically he has to take on the consequence of you messing with the natural order of things. 
and that's really stretching. <laughs> but but it it like. But we got that long shot now, so that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we do have the long shot now. We can make, <laughs> make things like that. But it does kind of seem that, like, why else would this windmill just speed up inexplicably? Like, it's like the water cycle trying to catch up with itself. And this poor dude is like, he's he's carrying the burdens of us just using magic all the time. But I don't know. Just a thought. So what I'm thinking, I'm thinking that this is video game logic. And the well just happened to be a place that they put there. Or, I mean, the, the windmill. And it was around the time to do the well. And I think that the guy there is just has OCD. And so when he sees the windmill moving faster, he himself just has to move faster because he feels really awkward keeping at a slow pace while the windmill's going crazy. So he's just like driving himself crazy all the time, having to keep up with this pace that he doesn't want to, but feels like he needs to. Do you think having a rainstorm inside the well speeds it up because... I don't even know if that... I feel like that rainstorm isn't even intentional in the building. Can you go in other buildings, play the Song of Storms, and have it start raining in the building? Yes. Is this exclusive to the no, windmill? You, you can make it rain pretty much anywhere you want, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I feel like this isn't directly... The the raining in the windmill, I don't feel like, is linked at all to the well going down. I feel like that's just the trigger that they happen to put there to activate it. I don't think there's any real science or way... I mean, maybe you could theoretically come up with some kind of rig that would do that. But I don't think that the village went crazy with their engineering skills to come up with that so that they could be like, woo, windmill go fast. Well, go bye bye. <laughs> yeah, there's no. It just it doesn't make any sense. I yeah. feel like it's just a trigger they put there. Right. And then that guy just goes nuts. There's some inexplicable link between the two structures. I mean, the windmill, I mean, honestly, yeah. windmills can be used to draw water from a well. Like that is that is an applicable use. But um, but but normally it would draw it up into the actual well itself, not draw it out of the well, like into the ground or wherever the water goes. So that part doesn't really compute, but it, it is what it is. Okay, so I got this idea, right? So this guy used to live on where this well is, and he had a dungeon. Mm -hmm. The well eventually became connected to the windmill, but that's because the connection existed from the time back when this guy had the dungeon. He was also the master of the windmill, and he owned the windmill. And when he wanted to let the howls of his victims out, he sped up the windmill, which opened up some kind of contraption to scare people off of his land so they thought it was haunted to protect his things. Uh, we got a we gotta howl back up. And then a bunch of kids and their dog came in and discovered the whole thing after he dressed up like a redead and cursed that dog. Okay, this is... um. It's funny you mention that because the windmill is in the OG version of the game before it was released on the N64. The windmill, the shadow temple, and the well were all connected, uh, as well as Dompe's grave was actually part of the dungeon, and they later scrapped that idea. That's why... When you go into the windmill at a certain point in the game after Dompe's grave, you see the question marks because it was actually all supposed to be connected in the original game and they separated mm. everything. I never heard that before. That's interesting. Hmm. That's pretty wild. I don't know I mean, which, makes sense. which like ones were connected, but um, if it was like the windmill and the well with Dompe's grave or if it was Dompe's grave and the shadow temple, like, but they were supposed to be connected at some point. And so that's probably why the windmill is connected to Dompe's grave, which is connected to 
the well in association with the windmill, which is also connected. Except maybe the windmill. I mean, the phonogram man's pretty creepy himself. (laughs) He just likes things that go around, man. Ain't creepy. (laughs) Nah, it's circle of life, right? I don't know. Have you seen his face when you're an adult? When he's mad, he looks like the murderer. Bro, he's been tortured for seven years. How do you think you would feel? Mm. This yeah, poor he guy. He might be making some crazy eyes too at that point. <laughs> this man has seen mm-hmm. hell and he is still spinning. So, so yeah, so we. How does he get food? Um, he has it delivered. Uber Eats. How do any of the NPCs get food except for the guys that are in the house <laughs> waiting for food to be made, which is never actually made, so they don't even eat? Hyrule Dash. Hyrule <laughs> Dash. That's what the dude running around in Hyrule Field is doing. Yeah, he's, he's, got, the, the, he's got the bunny ears. He's the entrepreneur. Yeah. Where's the one place that actually <laughs> makes food, though? Lana Ranch. He's in Central Hub, man. He's bringing everybody oh. milk and, uh, well, more milk. Bread. Milk and chicken and burgers, I guess. I guess. I mean, if... Those cows stop putting out, you know? <laughs> I mean, you have to imagine that you have to expand the scale of it a little bit to work in all the people of the land, but I like it. Hyrule Dash. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we get into this well, and I think there's a, there's a spirit on the way in that basically tells you to seek the eye of truth. Um, and here's the thing. Seeking the eye of truth used to be a whole big thing where I would go through this well and find all the rooms and figure out where everything is. And then somehow randomly happen upon the lens of truth. But usually like there was a map and a compass to find all kinds of stuff, right? Like this, this thing is like as long as you want it to be pretty much. Um, Yeah. It's not a full blown temple, but it's like a mini dungeon. Yeah, some some notable features are a big uh, crucifix in the middle. It's like a big torture device that's in the shape of an axe. Um, this is like a medieval tool for for torturing, and it, I think in I don't know if they changed it in the 3ds version, but it used to have blood underneath it, um, chains hanging from the two arm posts, which are the t- taller posts typically, um, just traditionally speaking. Um, and yeah, this this kind of device was used to basically string people up, and um, I mean, at that point, mm-hmm. it is what what you whatever you needed to do. Um, Son of a gun! I think they did censor it. Yeah, um, which would mean that something. I mean, unless you assume that it's dried, something happened either recently or I mean, I don't think something was supposed to have happened recently. I think it's supposed to have happened a long time ago. But um, but this is like our first step into into dark history land, but there's, there's really not a lot of explanation for this one. Like the, the bottom of the well, I feel like is even more mysterious than the actual shadow temple itself. Um, because, bec- yeah, because it's separated, like, like Anthony was saying, like they took everything and broke it apart. If it had still been connected, I feel like it would have made a little more sense. Yeah. Um, another thing that makes the well magical is, how is there a green bubble that's on fire when, like, five minutes ago, it would have been underwater for, like, a hundred years? I don't know if the water from the well, I, I don't know if they had some kind of reasoning there. Maybe water can't go through invisible walls, you know? Like, 
maybe maybe that's the limitation like maybe the bottom of the well maybe the well itself held the water but the bottom of the well was always just a big bubble cavern but i don't know i mean there is there is water that you have to train in the bottom of the well um even after you get in like you play you play the royal family's like lullaby for whatever reason and that and that makes even more water go away so that you can explore deeper um yeah I don't know. I mean, aside aside from the big cross in the middle of everything, um, there's also some jail cells, some what appear to be like crypts and like some wall and a pile of acid at the very bottom. Yeah, pile pile of acid, some redeads. Oh, and the ability to skip the entire temple. So if you know, <laughs> if you know Pretty where much. the lens of truth is, you can just kind of run in, play the song to drain the water, go through like one hole go through a door fight the mini boss get your eye of truth and leave um and the whole thing will take you maybe 10 minutes to do whereas if you don't know where you're going you'll usually circle around fall through the floor you know i mean you find some nice stuff there's treasure all over the place but um but it is like a mini dungeon um otherwise like once once you learn the layout it's it's um it's practically skippable though. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent skippable outside of exactly what you said. Yeah. But you find golden skulltulas, a bunch of rupees, uh, some arrows. Yeah, bomba shoes, man. Or down here bomba shoes, yeah. I mean, I find so not too, bad. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, you definitely like you explore it. You get rewarded for exploring it. Like it's it's not bad to do. Um, and there's also small keys involved if you're. Uh, yeah. You're really going for it. You don't. You don't need any of them, but they're no. there. <laughs> Which I think is is interesting because it's the only thing as a kid that has small keys outside of, well, somewhere we haven't gotten yet. Right. Like this is our first encounter as Young Link with a small key. And I don't even know if Young Link even gets a small key in that thing. Anyways, they might have all been on the adult part. Huh. Either way, these are the first small keys we get as a kid. So they're important. Right. So we're exploring this crazy random, like, dungeon of, of sorts that we presume either was owned by the Sheikah, I guess, or by the man who used to live on that spot. And we don't know if that man was a Sheikah or not. Um, and we get, to the, uh, we get to the mini boss eventually, which is our first encounter with a dead hand. Um, Anthony, are you are you uh wanting to talk about the dead hand at all? Well, I have a strategy of how to beat him. Okay. Um I have his description. His description is simply nightmare fuel. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> okay. You will come into the room and there's like five hands, four hands. Five guys. There's four, Think of four five. hands in this one, yeah. Four. Yeah. And uh, basically the strategy to beating him doesn't come into play until after you've already beaten this one. Because guess what, everybody? There's two of them. <laughs> Later on. But this one, uh, basically you just get grabbed by his hands. And then as you get grabbed, he'll like try to come out. He, like, emerges from the ground in, like, a dirt explosion of whatever the dirt's made out of. I don't even want to know. 
<laughs> and then you just sort of whack away, try to free yourself, and then like, his like head bobs down sometimes because he's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, the like Zelda in, game in the old game, like in in I, I say the old game in pre 3ds version, his head like almost like ratchets its way down like it takes forever like he comes up to you and then he like slowly mm-hmm. lowers it and once he lowers it you can hit him a bunch of times and do a lot of damage um in the 3ds version he just kind of like whips it down <laughs> Nah, he doesn't whip it down it still felt slow in the 3ds version uh it, it's, it's like a second and a half two second animation uh when i played it it seemed like he lowered it a lot faster than he used to it used to be like silly slow in this one. It seemed like he he kind of knew how to lower his head a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess without the reference of how super slow it was, it felt slow still. So I guess they did a good job of speeding it up, but still making it feel slow. Yeah, yeah. He's the same hand. And when by he's the walking way. at you, it's the weirdest thing. He's like got his hands out, like doing the jig, and then his his whole head and not even looking at you is just all up at the ceiling as he's just slowly waddling at you. Yeah, it's disconcerting, but it's not necessarily like horrific. It's almost funny. It's well, just until so his head weird. comes down and you're like, "Ugh, what is he though?" You know, right. like did this guy used to be human? Like he has like what's is it like a diglet thing? Like, does what's underneath? You know, <laughs> I did not think of that. the world's ugliest diglet. It's like you know, he's got some he's he's so got ugly some body he came underneath out of the there. Ground. He's got some nasty bruises. He looks like he's like melted. He he honestly reminds me. If you guys ever heard of an ancient Japanese demon called Wairu? Wairu? No, I haven't heard of that. No, I don't know of it. So Wairu is an ancient Japanese demon that sort of is like a giant sentient well i I don't want to use the word sentient but it's sort of like a long pig worm and half of his body will be underground and then the other half is above ground where he has a giant mouth and an eyeball and has multiple hands coming out of the ground with claws how do you spell wairu w-a-i-r-u okay that's not okay it's not working for me so I was trying to look it up. Um, and he's like got a portal underground that like you can't hit his body until you like surface him somehow, and then you see the rest of his body, and it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Do you find it? I can see how you could draw conclusions. No, just hearing the description. I'll try to look it up though. Yeah, I wasn't able to find anything. I, uh oh, sorry, it's a Wyra. Wyra. Wyra, yeah, it's a Wyra. Press W A I R A. My bad. It's been a while since I looked it up. Oh, okay. W A I R A. It's all good. I don't know enough about the history of this thing. Um, it's just an ancient demon that half of its body's in the ground, and then it's got like okay. hands and stuff that like come out. It's got like a weird humanoid face, but it's like the body of a worm. And honestly, it's what reminded me of this guy, the dead hand. Gotcha. Its face is similarly grotesque, but with different prominent <laughs> features. Yeah, but I think it may possibly be like the inspiration of it. Gotcha. With the way the body is shaped. Yeah. It was so, it's Ganondorf's Wyra. 
there is a way i know that you said like the 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 strategy for beating it doesn't come until after because with the eye of truth you can see its yeah. shadow yes um you can draw it out with without getting caught by a hand if you bomb the areas of the room where the shadow's most likely to be you can you can eventually like hit him just kind of randomly and he will come yeah, you out. can do guesswork yeah like his shadow still exists in the room even though you can't see it um the only reason i know that is because i tried that last time i was there i was like you know like when i have the lens i can do this thing let me see if i can do it without actually knowing where he is um this one he's normally either like exactly in the midpoint of his arms like of two of his arms um and that means like either along one of the sides or like right in the middle of the room or he'll be like at one of his arms so there's like I don't know, nine different positions that he could be in. Um, but the bomb can actually hit like two or three of them at a time if it's placed right. So it's not too bad to do it that way. Um, but, you know, it is, it, you know, it's not as easy. You get caught by an arm. The arms don't actually do damage. They just keep you stuck, um, presumably so that this this monster can come and like eat you <laughs> while you're stuck. Yeah, it's, that would it's be like the idea dirt explosion of poop or whatever's in that room Ugh. desert storm yeah i was gonna say <laughs> desert storm <laughs> <laughs> oh real galaxy so i was gonna say this is the same hand if you guys played majora's mask that's in the toilet in anja's inn in clock town and huh? it's the same hand that wants toilet paper because for some odd reason, I don't know. Dude, and then you give paper. it to him, and he goes, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Same hand. That it's also the dead hand model. Oh, man. That's reaching out of the toilet. Well, that's that's fun. <laughs> He's a friendly guy in this game. That game. I hate hands and toilets, man. That's. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not no. a good image. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. After you see the hand in the toilet, then you can go get a bedtime story by Grandma. <laughs> okay. That is not equal payment. <laughs> no. You get nightmare fuel, and then it's bedtime. <laughs> That's it's not, it's not good. As somebody that worked as a janitor cleaning toilets at one point, I agree. Hands and toilets just shouldn't really go together. Gotcha. So we get the lens of truth and you might immediately recognize that the lens of truth um, is in the shape of the Sheikah symbol. Um, it's like a eyeball with like eyelashes coming off the top and then like a single tear coming down off the bottom that is the handle of the lens. Um, and it's in the same shape as the symbol we've seen like Impa where um, we've seen it on all the uh, the gossip stones have this symbol on it. Um, there's a book in the 3DS version of the game in the House of Skultula that has this symbol on it. Um, and it's actually on the doorway into the Shadow Temple as well, um, which would kind of once again indicate that this Shadow Temple was at some point used or run by the Sheikah. Um, I am of the opinion that the Sheikah did not put this temple here, but we're just using it. Um, and I don't have a great explanation for that for this episode. I'm saving that for later. Um, but I, you know, clearly they put their symbol on the door. Um, and 
I mean, it's it's just past the graveyard that the Sheikah Overwatch. In fact, you could argue that it's part of the graveyard that the Sheikah Overwatch. Um, and yeah, so like this is this is their town. Like you you know this this is it's almost like you know every other place we've been to has had a race associated with it that we're able to like actually interact with, um, talk to, learn about, figure out what what their like traits are. This one not so much. Um, all we have is Impa and Sheik to go off of, and they're both mysterious ninja characters who like pop in every once in a while, but are for the most part absent. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that if you look at the medallion that we get at the end of this, and if you look at the color scheme that they wear, um, you know, going through our colors, you know, we, we used to have red, blue, and green, and this is the first time we hit purple, which is not any of those three. Um, I mean, you could say like, well, red and blue makes purple. So clearly the, there is some kind of mix of power and wisdom, which I think is actually fair because the Sheikah are like these really cool ninja people who seem to have a, a whole history and understanding of the world that you don't. Um, but I don't think that's what the, I don't think that's what their purpose actually is. Um, because the same thing could be say about, said about the Gerudo because they also kind of wear purple, but I don't think that their color scheme is purple. Um, there's a lot to this. So I, I went a little bit deep with this one. Um, so I'll, I'll go in for just a second here and then we can kind of come back out of it because I don't think I have the answer to what purple is, <laughs> I guess. I'll just put my cards on the table, right? Um, I did some color theory research and the reason I did that is because we have RGB, which is like which is like the colors that you'd control on like a computer screen, right? Um, not your actual primary colors, which would have been red, blue, and yellow. Um, and when I did the research, what I found was that your primary colors aren't actually like, okay, so the ones you learn in art school and like as a kid in elementary school, whatever, like it's red, blue, and yellow. Like that's your, you know, you can't make those colors or anything else and you mix them to make every other color, right? Like that's why they're called your primaries. Um, turns out like if you look to your printer, you'll get a better idea of what your primaries are, um, with the magenta cyan and yellow, um, because you can actually mix those colors to get red and blue, um, which is wild to me. Like, I didn't realize that that was an actual thing, but it's a thing. Um, <laughs> that being said, that wasn't useful. Like when I, when I realized that information, it didn't help me learn anything. I was like, Oh, like, so red. So, so basically there's a whole like additive color mixing versus subtractive color mixing. So when you have a pigment, you're actually removing colors from what can bounce off of it. Um, but when you're shining light, it's like the light actually mixes together to make different colors in a different direction, which is why we use red, green, and blue for like for screens because it's actually shining light like directly at us. Um, so, so that I think that's why they picked those colors as the main three of the game because you know like they're probably the easiest ones to show on screen. They they show up really well. Like they're our most powerful like light divisions, right? Um. And so what I what I ended up landing on was that I think that what the color scheme in this game is actually based off because we actually end up with all all the colors of the rainbow, um, aside from maybe indigo, right? Like we have red, orange, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, um, and the Sheikah are the purple. And so 
what I figured out, or at least what I think I figured out, is that what they did was they basically took the color wheel that we learned in school, like how there's complementary color, like red and green are complementary colors, um, orange and blue are complementary colors, and yellow and purple are complementary colors. And they use those to show dichotomies of character traits. So like red and blue being power and courage, like, you know, they show the Kokiri who've been trapped in, like they're basically in their houses because there's all these big monsters outside. But if you talk to any of them, none of them seem scared of the big monsters outside. They're just like, oh yeah, we can't really go outside because these monsters, whatever. Maybe one day Link will come back. I don't know. Yeah, sorry I went to the woods. No biggie. Like <laughs> they're all just kind of chilling. Like they don't have the power to do anything, but they're also not really like a afraid for their lives they're just they're just chilling in their houses like oh yeah monsters outside whatevs um and the opposite side you have the gorons who are powerful right but they're all like trapped in jail cells and they're like shaking um so they're scared out of their mind um but at the same time they are a powerful species right like and the story of those two areas kind of tells, you know, like this, there's a lot about balance in this game and having a balanced nature, having balanced character traits, like, like they're kind of getting at like, okay, if you have too much courage, not enough power, you really can't do much. If you have too much power, not enough courage, you're also not going to do much and not because you can't, but because you choose not to, right? Like, um, that's probably one of the stronger evidences I have of this, um, that being said, what is purple and what does it go against and what's the dichotomy there, right? Um, sorry, I'm going forever on this, guys. I just, this is like part of the building and I think it's going to help with the next chapter as well to not have to go through all this again. Um, but so like we, you good. So we hit, we hit the Zora temple or like, yeah, the Zora's domain and the water temple, which is our blue. And the dichotomy of that would actually be orange. Um, orange is the color of the Gerudo tribe, um, which is why I can't get too far into it. But what I say was, you know, blue is wisdom. Um, then there's an implication about the Gerudo tribe that is a little bit mean, but at the same time, like I think when we get there, you'll see that they actually like they have their own character trait that I think is also very valuable. Um, so like the split between them is actually really cool. Um, I think it works really well for this argument, but that'll be next episode. Um, so then purple and yellow, yellow is actually the temple of light where Raru is. So we have both of these colors already. The problem is, is we don't have a lot of information. Um, even Raru and like the temple of light it hasn't been presented in a way that like fully fleshes it out. Um, the best I was able to come up with for these two is, you know, we're, we're after, like we're on a path trying to bring truth and justice to the world. Right. Um, and I think that these two areas represent truth and justice, and it would be really obvious to say, okay, well, light truth makes sense. Uh, purple justice. I don't know. Um, because we've already talked about how Impa is trying to create a village of truth and just like she's doing everything like in Kakariko village. Um, but I think it kind of plays out better. If you remember that, that the Sheikah tribe is loyal to the Royal family and has been their attendants. And whenever you see one of them and they're like, they're like a warrior tribe, right? So like, I get the feeling like, like the Sheikah tribe I mean, aside from the guards of Hyrule Castle, 
were actually responsible for administering some kind of justice for the royal family. Like they were, they were probably like the secret service of the royal family. Like they were probably the bodyguards. They were probably like, you know, I mean, obviously the, I mean, Impa's Zelda's bodyguard. So I think that's, that's proof enough for that. Um, and I think that they, I mean, I think that they're a part of this dark history that we're going through because they were a part of this thing, like, because they were, or sorry, partly because they were this, this justice administering group. Um, but like I said, it's that dichotomy. So, so if they have the justice, that means they'd be lacking in truth, but it's weird because we just got the lens of truth. So, so it's very confusing. Like, I don't know entirely what's going on. Like why, why these two are mixed and as obscure as they are. Um, I think, I think a big part of it is because light and shadow are like, kind of bound together like you can't have shadow without light right so like so there's a lot you get where i'm at with this like this is like stuff that i've been like thinking about for a while and i'm like i just get stuck in so many areas of this thought process but i'm pretty sure this is what they're getting at i mean you could argue okay the lens of truth was under the well so maybe the truth was buried and that's why we're just learning about this dark history now um that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Absolute darkness without any light or shadow without light, I think, can exist. Like, to have absolutely no light, there would be nothing but shadow left. It would just be all-encompassing. So I don't know if you would necessarily call it that at that point. Right. But with light, you're always going to have shadow. If if you have anything anything around there's always going to be shadow when you have light yeah true oh, i lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder if i put Ant, did i put anthony to sleep or is he still here i can't think of a good thing to add to that i mean i agreed with everything that you did say about you know because when you think of shadow and that and the absence of light you know what's the first color that comes to our mind you know black right yeah but in the medallion being purple and i i sort of feel like this is more it's not truth and justice necessarily together i want to say that it's just the truth and i'd like to think that justice comes after if you know what I mean by what I'm saying that. And so I feel like the, you know, purple being the truth, all of the Sheikah, their, their clothing is basically like a light bluish purple type color. So this is sort of uncovering the truth behind the dark history of Hyrule. Like what has gone on? Why is there no more Sheikah left? Uh, why do these temples exist here? Like, why? what is the main reasoning of the well? What is the main reasoning of the Shadow Temple? No one knew these things were ever here, right? Aside from the Sheikah. Like, you as Link have to discover these things on your own. And I think the reason that we return back to a kid for a short bit is the sole reason of Link, like, getting accustomed to death one more time, I should say. And I was going to save that for the Shadow Temple, but... Getting accustomed to death one more time as a kid? So, I feel like the game goes by trials, right? 
like each each dungeon and each temple in Link's journey has been a sort of a different trial. And I feel like it's set in place like that, that like they made you go back to being a kid for one last trial, basically, as a kid, if you want to look at it like that. And this could sort of just be like the trial of truth in a set, in a way. Like if you actually want to dive deep into the story of Zelda and the lore of the well, it's honestly that I'm losing my track of thought here, but if you understand yeah, what I'm saying, I, it's... I think I think what you I get what you mean because like he goes and he you know he he gets his first experiences of of courage, power, and wisdom as a kid, and then comes forward mm-hmm. and gets you know courage, power, and wisdom again as an adult. And he gets the adult versions, um, and I think through that process he becomes um, a more confident, uh, powerful, and self aware person, um, and so now he's ready to kind of take on shadow. Like if, if you weren't, if you didn't have those, like those, uh, I guess traits and convictions about yourself, like you might get lost in the shadow temple. Um, like you might, you might either like lose your way or just, you know, not, you won't be smart enough. You won't be strong enough. There'd be a lot of hangups, especially if, um, especially if this is uncovering the truth of somebody that you have always seen as an ally. And like, suddenly there's like dark history and you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be like, like, I thought we were all on the same team. Like, what is all this garbage? Like, you know, like, I don't know. There's, he has to, he has to be able to see things for what they are, right? Like he has to be able to, I guess, to have all these other character traits before he's ready. Um, I guess, I mean, going back to what I was, uh, I mean, just kind of going back, like one of the, one of the biggest arguments that I think kind of matches what I was sharing with that huge color theory exposition. Um, I just asked myself the question, okay, like what is justice without truth? Right. Um, kind of, kind of tyrannical if you think about it like if you're administering justice but you're not really caring about the truth um then you're probably just punishing people for things they did or didn't do based on what you think you know um what is truth without justice um that's like it's like a knowledge of what's going on but without any kind of motivation to do anything about it um and i don't think that either of our characters match that but i think it's more likely that raru is the truth guy because he just spends his whole time in the temple telling you what's what and like you know there's a link between him and kabora gabora and kabora gabora just spends his time flying around telling you what's what and he's always right but he doesn't really do anything himself to help you know um, so I, that's why I feel like he's more so the truth character and not so much justice because he doesn't really seem to care too much about justice. He's just like, well, this is, this is the truth. Like, this is what's going on. If you want to do X, you got to do Y, you know, what have you. Um, yeah. whereas I feel like the Sheikah have, have been loyal to the Royal family. And if we know anything about the Royal family, it's like, they're not always the best at like managing things the right way <laughs> you know like i i have a feeling like especially if there was a war that that there's a chance that this dark history comes from an unquestioning loyalty that didn't always look at truth um but was always there to administer justice according to what the royal family wanted you know um 
so that's why I feel like there's there's hints of both. Like they both have, but like I feel like the Sheik are huge. The Sheikah are huge fans of the truth. Um, that's why they always wear the truth symbol and like you know they're always doing this. Like they want to be able to do justice the right way, and that's why they they like truth. But I don't think that they always acted on truth. I think that they were more so loyal than they were honest about that. I guess the the lens of truth, like looking like the Sheikah symbol, is is almost like a projection that they don't want people to look at them in a way that would examine their truth. Like they would have a lot to hide because maybe they didn't, they didn't follow that the right way. Like you said, they followed the Royal family who ended up making a lot of mistakes and maybe a couple dungeons along the way with a lot of mistakes in them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I could see, especially with them being connected to the eye of truth and then that being like connected to the shadow temple that they definitely could be connected to that and have, you know, a lot to hide. That they were seen kind of on the outside as as this uh, protector, this force for good uh, that carried out the will of the royal family, who who's always you know they're they're the top of the top, they're they're always doing the good thing right. uh, to the people of the kingdom, and that's what they think. So, but if you were to take that eye of truth and point it back at them, that maybe there would be something kind of like what you see in the shadow temple, hiding behind that positive exterior. Yeah, for sure, and I think. I think some of the imagery we Skeletons get in the closet. really lends itself to that concept um, in a way that's, you know, I mean, it's disturbing at times, but I think we're going to hit that um, at least a few times going through this temple. Um, before we get into the actual temple, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, and that was just about the House of Skaltala. Like, I don't know why there's a Sheikah book in the House of Skaltala. Um, at first, I would have thought maybe the Sheikh shika were trying to help in some way you know like maybe they were trying to say okay this is this is what your curse is this is how it's handled like we can help you with this or whatever um there's i mean there's the question okay were were the house of skull family like were they shika i don't i don't think so because when they come back they don't act like shika they don't look like shika um and the other the other option is that perhaps the curse was given to them by the Sheikah because it wasn't there's nothing in the game to connect the curse to Ganondorf like he didn't do that to them like it says that they were cursed because of their greed but it never says why and being cursed because of your greed sounds like a twisted form of justice you know um so I think that for me the most the most interesting story <laughs> here is that the Sheikah actually put that curse on them at some point, but, um, but it leads to even more confusion. Cause like, why, why was the house of Skaltala existing in the Sheikah village at the same time as the Sheikah? Like the, I th my understanding was that none of these people lived there before the, Sh like, you know, like during the time of the Sheikah, like it wasn't opened up until afterwards. Um, so there's some, some confusion there, but they were a very wealthy family. So maybe they put themselves there because it was the Sheikah village. Like they wanted the extra protection. Um, but I don't know. That's all speculative. Like, I don't know if any of that's anything, but to me, that's an interesting story. <laughs> um, and kind of an interesting thing to think about. They robbed the King and suffered the Sheikah wrath. I guess. I don't know if, I don't know what the greed that they had really was other than they were rich and probably maybe they weren't charitable with it. Maybe they were just always looking for more money. I don't know. Greed is greed. You know? True. Yeah. Well, speaking of 
greed. Um, there are two greedy things that we can do once we got the, well, actually just one greedy thing we can do mm-hmm. once we have the lens of truth. You go into Castletown, since we're still a little baby kid, mm-hmm. and we play the one game where you have to guess like which treasure chest is, uh, has the small key in it. It's, I forgot actually where in Castletown it is. Uh, but yeah, you just use the lens of truth, and you can see right through which treasure chest is the rupee and which one's the small key to continue on. As you get to the end, you get a harpies. Yeah, that's it's that's simple. An interesting connection, but yes, <laughs> it does make it very easy. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, you can cheat with that lens of truth. It's pretty great. And uh, before we get into the shadow temple, we missed one new creature that we hadn't talked about yet which is actually also present in the Shadow Temple. So you might as well just talk about him now. And that is the Gibdo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they are, they're basically re-deads that are just reskinned as a mummy. There's no difference between re-deads and Gibdos, except I feel like the Gibdos make a different noise when they latch onto you, and they just go, and it's like... It's just awkward. It just makes you want to, like... Can you not? And then, like, speaking of, in the well, like, you know, when you're hunting for Skulltulas, there's a room where there's, like, six crypts. I'm pretty sure that was in the well. Yeah, and, in the well, I think. Yeah. Like, I forgot how what the trigger is exactly for it, but you, like, get the... I think it's, like, a song. I think you play a song, maybe. And the Gibdo will, like, the crypt will open, and the Gibdo will, like, float up, like... He's just rising out of the grave, and then he'll just oh, like plant torch. his feet. Yeah, if you just it's yeah. There's there's oh some, the torches, right, 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 right. I think there's somewhere if you just get close to them, that kind of happen. Like the the cover comes off, but then there's the room where you light the torches, and then they all come up at once, or something like that. No, the 3ds one, it was one lit torch and five unlit, and then every time you lit a torch, it would go into a little scene oh, of yeah, yeah, of yeah. it opening, and then you'd light the next one, it would go into the same scene of the next one opening. One of them had a small key, one of them had a gibdo, one was empty, and I think two had keys. Yeah, you're right. I think you can go into the middle of the room and dins fire it, and then it has to go one by one according to the order they get lit. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> dins fire! It's funny. Din's fire is actually how we get into the Shadow Temple, too. Are we ready to go there? Yeah, we are. So we go into the Shadow Temple. You're going to want to go back and be an adult. And we get to the room. And what do we do? We want 800 Din's fire. Yeah, this is like, um, it it looks like some kind of, like, I don't know, some kind of ritual room or something. Like, there's just all these torches set up in a big circle. Um... I don't know if like there was some kind of like way to light these that wasn't Din's fire back in the day. Um, nah, I don't think there is. You think it's just always been Din's fire? Yeah, it's it's Din's fire. The, the Sheikah were on real good terms with the great fairies, and they had that spell. <laughs> it's not symmetrical whatsoever. Like these things are just placed so randomly all over, and there's like twenty of them. There's like you're not doing it with anything else. I don't even think. Fire arrows would do it fast enough. Probably not. Or they just had 20 Sheikah. Well, I mean, for the sake of Link. Yeah, I might have one Sheikah per lamp. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. It, it, there's, I don't think there's any other way that Link can open it. Right. And there's, there's writing all no, over the No, it's the, the only time like Din's this, fire is required. Yeah, this, this entryway is one of the only places where you really need it. Um, 
I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I like it. I don't know what the implications are. I don't know what the culture is. I, it just seems like this, like this religious ritual of some kind to enter the temple. It, it does have like an ominous vibe to it. Yeah. Also, make sure you bring an extra magic potion in this dungeon. I've never needed an extra magic potion in this dungeon. Nah. There's a lot of pots and enemies that drop magic powder. I never got below three quarters. Oh, I just leave the lens on the whole time. Oh. Oh, nah. yeah, then you're going to want magic potion. <laughs> and if you're a stickler for your magic power, you can turn it on and off in about three quarter to one second intervals and it'll never actually use your magic power. Yep. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> nobody got the button presses for that. Yeah, it's, you don't really need the lens that much. Um, but yeah, so this temple is, um, it's, a it's a journey. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, I mean, it's dark. You actually fight the mini boss pretty darn early on, honestly. Yeah. I think there's like, if what you want that I would consider a mini boss in this place, but is this, is this the only dungeon in the game where you get, uh, like the main weapon before you get the compass? Yeah, probably. Because the compass was the last of the three big boxes, aside from the final boss key that you got. And that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you only have to go through two rooms to get the item in this dungeon. Yeah. So you, you come up to like this big clock thing and it tells you to turn the, I don't know if they call it a compass or a clock or, or what reference they give, but basically you have to turn this bird statue towards um, the skull of truth. Um, which I think is just a little bit overdoing it with the whole like of truth language. Um, cause it's just, it's just the one skull that doesn't go away when you show, shine the lens of truth on it. There's a bunch of like yeah. illusory skulls. <laughs> and when you do that, you know, you unlock the door, but you can't actually get to the door without these, the sacred feet, right? Like there's a sign that says like only one with the sacred feet can cross the chasm of death or whatever. So, <laughs> so we have to go find our sacred feet. Um, Sorry, it's the Valley of the Dead is the actual term. But, yeah. So we go into, the, I guess, the catacombs. Um, like, the first thing we do is go into, like, this big, like, line of rooms that are all separated by illusion walls. Um, and there's a couple different ways to go around. Like, it's it's made, I think, to be confusing because it's, like, these everything is, like, a big circle and then... Like it's like circles connected to each other by walls you can't see through, usually. So and there's walls on the inside and the outside. Yeah. So you go you go through this. This is where you'll find your um where you'll find your sacred feet. I think there's a few other rooms you can find stuff into. I don't know if the map is over here or something like that. There's some mm -hmm. there's some useful item for the dungeon. Yeah, I think the map is, and then there's a couple small chests with like rupees and stuff hiding there. Kind of gibdo, I think. Yeah, so so this is where we fight the second dead hand. Um, and this one has more hands than the other dead hand. Yeah. I think it's got like six maybe. But this is also one where you can use the lens of truth and find the shadow of the creature and draw it out with a bomb. Um, I don't know if, what other items you can use to draw it out. I just know that the bomb works really well. That's honestly probably a deku nut maybe it might stun it i don't know maybe yeah i don't yeah i just use the bomb just figure out things that can trigger it um but you don't have to get caught by any hands for this one because of that so that's nice 
um never it's never really been a hard boss i think it's just been meant to be nightmare fuel you know it really is yeah scary to the kids it's the hand cracking (laughs) the hand the hand cracking release the hand cracking (laughs) you realize how much noodling he could do (laughs) he can do all the noodling um i think this is also the area where there's a path to uh it's like it becomes a shortcut later on if you need it um but it's you know there's like a a sign that says like if you want to see a boat to the underworld (laughs) um or to the other world yeah come down this way um and it's basically there's an invisible hole in the ground if you climb down you can see a boat that we actually use later um but for now you can only see it until you move a block that you can only move from the bottom um it's kind of cool. It looks a lot better in the 3DS version, I'm going to say. The original, it was like a big bird on the front of the boat. It looked really weird, and there's no great explanation for it. I don't know if the bird is another symbol that I don't understand from some other um, culture. But um, in the 3DS version, they kind of replaced it with a Grim Reaper wearing like a red hood. Yeah. Um, which I think probably makes more sense. It's like the ferryman. Yeah. The bird... Um, is sort of like a symbol of Hyrule in a way. Like it's on the Hylian shield. It's on the gate as you're going to the castle. So they probably just were like, "Let's stick some imagery here," and that's what they went with. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I mean the boat does seem to be a Hyrule royal family thing. So that makes. And then sense. I think they just changed it to death. Yeah. So, so we can cross our Valley of the Dead onto what I guess, I mean, does that thing look like a tongue to you guys? Yeah. Is it a face with a tongue? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we get eaten by the temple. (laughs) We go in. We Um, temple snakes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like gateways in this place that feel like should be leading to somewhere else, but they're all like physical gateways. None of them take you to like an ethereal other world or anything like there's just a lot of places that have that designation. And this is like one of them using your sacred feet to cross the Valley of the dead. Like you don't see any dead in that Valley. You just, it's like, it's just a pit. Right. <laughs> they're at the bottom chilling. Right. They're having a rave. You can't, you can't go there. This dungeon honestly was my favorite temple so far. Like of all the temples, I just love the imagery. And I actually looked up, online and found that these look very roman inspired if you look at like bc era roman temples or french catacombs especially the uh the well-known french catacombs if you go uh, under france yeah i know i know what you're talking about yeah yeah and it's very inspired by those if you look any of those up anything very western european i tried to look up like Norwegian and like Finnish crypts because I thought that they kind of looked a little bit like Draugr crypts. Um, but there's they don't at all. Like the torture devices in this place with all the traps, like I think in a few rooms from this boat thing, we get to a room where like you have to use the lens of truth to like pull a block out of a wall and then like stop the blade traps from coming down. Yeah, there's yeah. like these big spike hammers that look like meat tenderizers that just like smash the ground over and over. Yeah. And you have to like put a block under them. And blade trap, that's a thing. Blade traps are still all over the place here. 
Um, but now there's like guillotine blade traps too. And um, I guess I'm not really blade traps. You know, blade traps are the ones that had a spiky and go shushing shushing. But there's no ramp either. Shushing. There's like there's big um, like scythe wielding spinning devices that just like call a whole room. <laughs> um, oh, where you had to get the silver rupees. Yeah, either you gotta get the silver rupees, or you just gotta use the lens of truth to even see the thing um, in a different mm-hmm. room. Um, just some weird, some weird like physical obstacles to the point where there's more, there's more like traps and obstacles in this place than in like any other temple. Like half the time you're not even yeah. fighting something, you're just like not getting hit by a big invisible sight that's like s- sweeping the room. Yeah, I actually like wrote that down because i was like you know there's stealthos here there's bemos there's keys there's blade traps there's a lot of enemies but they're all enemies we've seen we know how to deal with i think you're more likely to die from the environment in this dungeon than like the enemies themselves Mm -hmm. which is really sad there's one room that has a few redeads in it but also it has like invisible blockades that look like you know they're straight up like just walls made of spikes that you can run mm-hmm. into and impale yourself on so that's fun yeah there's yeah the room with just the invisible spikes on the floor <laughs> where it's like if you don't have your lens out you're just running and all of a sudden ow ow and you're like what's going on and you look and there's just like jagged gemstone broken glass looking spikes on different parts of the floor you're like oh that that'd be nice to see yeah like whoever built this place was a jerk honestly and there's even a part where there's a chest and right next to the chest that has like garbage in it, I think it's like a blue rupee. If you use the lens of truth, there's another chest right next to it. And that one's got a small key in it. Right. There's a few places where they do that, where they just like make a chest invisible. There was a, a couple places where they put a chest underneath a pile of like skulls and bones and stuff that you have to blow up. Yo. Um, some weird tricks played in this one. There's a whole section where you have to use your boots and like and swap them out so that when the fans are blowing, you have the iron boots on, but then also later you want to use the the hover boots to kind of get sent into a path <laughs> with one of the fans. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I don't know what the fans have to do with anything, but uh, there's just, there's a lot of stuff. Like, there's paintings on the wall that talk to you everywhere. I didn't really mention that. Um, they're usually on invisible walls, but also on just regular walls, too. And they're the ones that like tell you things. Like there were a couple in the crypt right in the beginning, and and one of them is um is the one that actually tells you about um that like this is like the the dark place. Like it's like it says here is gathered Hyrule's bloody history of greed and hatred, <laughs> um, which is like that big hint that that people usually latch onto to figure out like what is this place that we're in like. It's a crypt, but it's probably like if you look at all the torture devices and stuff like that, it, it seems like a dungeon too. There's jail cells. There's there's another one of those crucifix things that we saw on the bottom of the well somewhere in here. Um, yeah, and there's blood all over the ground, and it's fantastic. So it's too big of a place to have been like run by a singular jailer or anything like that. Like I really think that this was a a Sheikah operation at some point. Um, which I, you know, I don't love. It was where they put the POWs. Clearly, the the royal family yeah. had something to do with it. Um, given that, you know, bottom of the well, you need the royal family thing to lower the water, and then 
like in the in the shadow temple you needed the song you need like to sell those lullaby to activate the boat later <laughs> so. all right so i got i got a theory here okay so you you know ever look at the walls and notice that the skulls are kind of like too big to be like a human or hylian skull kind of i don't know if you ever looked at the walls yeah I, yeah I okay so so we know that there was a war right before before all of this happened in hyrule and we know that the Zoras are there and they're fine. The Gorons, uh, you know, the Sworn Brothers, the King. So obviously they didn't fight. So you got to wonder who, who did the Hylians fight, right? Like, who did they go to war with if all the other races are 100% okay, right? Well, so okay. go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that for now. <laughs> yeah. So we know that Ganon and the Garadu are over in the desert and they're pretty secluded. And we do know that time and time again, Hyrule always fights Moblins, right? And we've only ever seen, what, like four or five Moblins yet as in this game? And they're like Ganondorf's main army, basically. Like, that's his... Well, yeah, I mean, they're the only... Grunt troops? The only troops of Ganondorf's that we've seen in action for him and also wearing armor and carrying spears and stuff. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. So it's leading me to believe that maybe, just possibly maybe, this this underground dungeon was instrumented by the royal family and Sheikah during this war to torture moblins, and that is why there are no more moblins left except for that, like, rogue force in the forest. What kind of information are you going to get out of a moblin, though? Like, they don't, as far as we know, they don't talk. Um... They go. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> like, I I get I get what you're saying. This this their their scream used to scare me when I was a kid. Are you talking about those? You're talking about the skulls on the paintings or the skulls that are like just lying around? Just the ones that are against the walls, like as the background image itself. Oh, like they're yeah, too no, big ones. to be Hylians. Yeah, yeah, huge. I don't know about that. And it just makes me think like they're possibly Pacoblins and Moblins, and that's I, why. Ganon's army is like no more and he has to sort of do all of this by himself yeah. because I, I just always assumed that those skulls on the walls were just enlarged to show texture like the cereal they put on the front of the cereal box you know possibly it was the 90s so so yeah I mean between between the the catacombs <laughs> And the torture devices and all of this stuff. I mean, I don't know if there's anything spe- that specifically more stand out than the rest. I mean, I think we talked about the scythes and we talked about the guillotines, um, the cross, the some of the other torture devices that we've come across. But then we hit the boat, right? I mean... The big boat. The big boat. The big boat to the other side. Everyone saw it coming. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't go down and see the boat before you went and saw the boat? No, I mean, you just don't expect there to be a, a boat in the middle of the temple. No, I was telling Cameron earlier that, like, so, like, this has become my favorite temple really? in this playthrough. But before this temple, I told Cameron, if you were to point a gun at my head and say, name one room in the Shadow Temple that's not Bongo Bongo, I would have just been like, kill me. Because <laughs> I didn't remember... Anything in this temple, this is the only temple, 
like I know rooms in the spirit temple. I the whole shebang of Zelda. I just this temple. I like somehow blocked it out of my memory, and I didn't remember any rooms in this temple. And now it's become one of my favorite temples in this game. So I don't know. It's I didn't remember any. I did not know there was a boat. Cameron last night was like, "Hey, there's a boat in this temple," and I'm like, "Uh, what do you mean? There's a boat?" Yeah, I think you asked me how far I was through it, and I'm like, oh, I'm at the boat part. I'm pretty sure that's close to the end. And you're like, there's a boat? I'm like, uh, yeah, there's a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah I did not very, remember um, at all. River Stixie. <laughs> it's very, like, yeah. like, boat to the underworld. Like, what does this happen? And you're fighting Stalfos on the ride. Yeah, you play the yeah. song, it activates, it starts taking you over to the other world, and Stealthos jump down and start fighting you. Which, if we know... Yeah, and it's got this... Like, Stealthos are Lost Woods creatures, right? So, like, they, I mean, they put them everywhere, so they're not really Lost Woods creatures anymore, but I don't know what other Stealthos are made from. I think that this lore of Stealthos is that you can become a Stealthos by being lost in the forest as like a curse maybe but i think that it's just a re- un, like a restless soldier from like the hylian wars or something sure yeah and we know that and we know that ganondorf can like bring people back to life anyway so like yeah but there would be restless soldiers in this crypt according to what we've been discussing so that makes sense too plus their skulls are big enough to be the skulls around the rooms yeah which is like, were Hylians bigger at one point in time? <laughs> it's like, what the heck? I don't know. They juicing! <laughs> they, used to, they used to be juicing. <laughs> they used to be juicing. <laughs> they were on that Goron regimen. It was that dark history, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, well. Wake up, eat, sleep, eat rock, go to bed. Pretty much. So, we... Yeah, so we get this boat. I mean, the boat is supposed to lead to the other world. And, like, I've heard people theorize that it doesn't actually go to the other side until it falls through the fog and you have to jump off of it. Um, Which I guess makes sense because, I mean, the boat does sink. Um, Or if they're trying to say, oh, now you're at the other side, like, you're at the other world now, even though you just kind of went down a hallway. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is where we you can go through that room that's, like, all invisible walls pretty much except for the like the pillars at the ends of each corner and whatnot there's like a whole room and like the whole room is just filled with invisible walls and a few like floor masters oh yeah yeah and then there's a room in each corner yeah and that's where you that's where you'll find your boss key and like one of the rooms is just a bunch of rupees and and one of the rooms is two death traps made of wood that come in at you and the only way to break them is 1-800 <laughs> didn't it's yeah it's funny because 1-800 dins fire has actually just one too many numbers <laughs> to be a yeah I, I, I was thinking about it earlier 1-800 din fire din fire use the din fire use the din fire boy fire so real quick side note before uh we progress further towards the boss room uh we were talking about the boat and i don't know if you guys ever heard of Cobleskill, new york at all Cobleskill? scale Cobleskill. it's by it's past syracuse by 45 minutes south of the Adirondack. okay i believe okay you. so it's a small town like one to two thousand population probably uh you, viewers definitely you know check this place out but it, there is a boat in 
this uh this place here that the boat will actually go along this river and you're along this river and then and you you get off at this point where the boat docks and there's a waterfall at the end and mind you you're underground in this cave that's like 6 to 700 feet below ground and this waterfall just dips and they've tried going down as far as they can but they've actually run out of rope and they've had to tie knots of rope i think they said they went through like a sixth of a mile of rope before they felt unsafe that the rope was breaking and then they had to pull the people back up and they've never been down there but they've coined it actually as just the hole to hell basically in this cave in Cobleskill, new york is it uh, actually pronounced Cobleskill no- or is it Cobleskill? i mean there's only one b in it right Cobble. It's C O B L E. So I don't say cobble skill. I just say cobble because it's like C O B L E, and then gotcha. skill. Yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, there's a. It's called House Caverns. So if you look up House Caverns, uh, it's it's a place. Yeah, and they have that boat ride. It just reminded me of when I was on this boat ride, like the River Sticks type deal, and the boat sank. That like <laughs> I was thinking if they didn't dock the boat at that dock. And you just, like, t- took the boat down that hole. Like, like where do you go? <laughs> River Sticks is in New York State confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> Hades is going to greet you at the bottom. There's actually, there's actually a hiking path. Because um, in Niagara River, there's a bunch of whirlpools. And there's actually one big famous one called Devil's Hole. Oh, Devil's Hole. <laughs> so... It seems like New Yorkers are really into this, <laughs> this lore. <laughs> and then there's a place, yeah. that isn't, it's either Pennsylvania or Ohio, which is pretty close to New York, that's called the Devil's Tramping Ground. Oh, man. And don't forget about the Eternal Flame over in Orchard Park area. Right. Been there. That was a fun hike. Yeah, I think, I think uh, New York is very familiar with uh, the underworld. Although there is a place in Florida called Devil's Den. I was going to say, and the members of this podcast, now, now that we've given the plot, <laughs> that we're all <laughs> New Yorkers of a kind. What? No. Come on. They think we're from Tennessee. Do they know? All right. Let's get back into uh, the, the end area of this dungeon. Yeah. So we get, our, we get our boss key and we go through one more room that's like entirely in shadow. Um, and there's like invisible floors and stuff that we pretty much the whole room you navigate using the the lens of truth um and your light boots and the hover boots yeah and the hover boots sorry i call them light boots they're not the light boots i don't know why i have that name stuck in my head but that's never been a thing um maybe it's because they glow with light when you're walking over air um but yeah so you can get through the whole thing that way um there was one other thing I wanted to mention about this time before we get to the boss that we just kind of skipped over. And it's like the huge room with a bunch of invisible platforms. Um, this is like one that has like a, a line of like three guillotines you have to roll through. And then like there's just a bunch of invisible. Oh, the giant open room. Yeah, the giant open room that you get to like immediately after you enter the the actual temple proper, I guess. Um, and I don't know what the thought process was behind the design here. I don't know if it was because there's like prisons all around that this is like the way of making it high security of like having this big, like invisible floor. So like, even if you were to get out of your cell, like you'd come out and be like, wait, I can't actually go anywhere. 
or what it seems, but it does look like this, this whole temple, like, I don't want to say it looks like it's been repurposed, but like the whole place looks blown out. Like there, it looks like there, maybe there was a temple here and now it's just a big cave. Like all the walls are kind of like dirt, I feel like. And it's just not, it's not really a temple anymore. Now it's, now it's like a, a prison place, but I imagine it started out yeah. as a temple, right? I mean, I don't know. Possibly. Like maybe that's where the temple actually used to be for the most part, but again, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was I was definitely feeling some Greek vibes uh, going on now that like you had mentioned the River of Sticks and you know the hover boots definitely have like a Hermes vibe going with the little wings on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all all throughout this game, the, the crypts themselves. Um, there's like there's a lot of European references. Obviously, with like the castle town and everything, um, a lot of a lot of like Western European there. There's um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Link wears a Celtic tunic and like a um, it's called like a Phrygian cap, which is like a Greek thing that became a European thing after you know ancient Greece stopped being the <laughs> the use of Europe, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's like there's a lot of there's a lot of European, there's a lot of Greek like ancient Greek references and next episode I have even more to say on that. But um, there's also a lot of like Middle Eastern um, influence as well. And I mean, you know, like there's, there's a lot of cultures and stuff like both from, from ancient history and from more recent history, I'll say that kind of made its way into this game. I think it's really cool. Some yeah. of the, some of the stuff they brought in. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Yeah. Sorry. I interrupted your whole deal. Right, any more any more rooms uh, that stuck out to you guys in in this last escapade of adventure? I think I've shared everything about the rooms in the actual temple other than the boss room. All right. Well, we get up past those, past the, you know, the platforms that with the invisible gaps with the hover boots, and then we come up to the door with the boss key. We smack that open. And we get to a, like, a hole with a sort of skull cylinder room, and we take the hover boots off. We jump down that hole, and we come up to this, like, what sort of looked like a flower in the beginning, and then we realize it's a giant drum. And two hands just start going boom, boo, boo. Or it's it's boo, 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 boo. And every bounce on the left, I think it's the right hand, lifts Link in the air. And you're kind of sitting there probably like, what is going on? And he just starts getting faster and faster and faster at it until he comes off the ceiling with his little eyeball flower. And finally we see him and he is the phantom shadow beast, Bongo Bongo. Yeah. Makes itself presently and known. Phantom and shadow are like very closely related words. <laughs> um but I think that I mean a couple cool things to note. You can actually hear this guy playing the bongo all throughout the temple. Um they actually incorporated that rhythm that he plays for you right there and the rhythm that he plays during the boss fight into the actual music of the temple. Yeah, um, I love that. So that's that's cool. I mean, they they do something very similar in Majora's Mask too. With some like one of the bosses like has war cries, 
and you can hear them the whole time you're going through the temple as well. Like it's just, yeah, like, de- yeah details like that <laughs> kind of really just, I guess, like just a really cool concept to to kind of like hear what's coming before you get anywhere near it. Um, and have no idea that it's actually coming because you don't realize that they would do that. Right. Um, so, yeah. And the, the other thing is that this guy, this Bongo Bongo Shadow Phantom, right? Um, I don't think it's a, I mean, okay. So it, it, it literally has beast in the name, right? Yeah. But its design is very clearly based off a human. Um, in a way that's very disturbing because I, I know like it's harder to see in the N64 and, and virtual console in the 3DS version. No, but I know where you're going with it. It's very, um, it's very like, obviously like, like they gave it a, a, a like a back muscle structure, but there's like, a spinal cord type. Deal. Um, yeah, there's a, there's the spinal cord. There's like, He's they, a they, gave it, they gave it more of a head in the 3DS version. I feel like, like in the virtual console, it almost looks like if this was a human, it would have been like cut off at the neck. And then instead there's just a flower thing there. Um, yeah. But in the 3DS version, they actually pretty much give it its entire skull. And then that skull is the eye, you know, like it looks yeah, like it's, been it's scalped just one open. giant eye on it. Um, and then the hands are separated from the body um, by more than just like the fact that it's an illusion. Like, like this whole, this whole, boss disappears on you and you have to use the eye of truth to see the main body um you can yeah. just see the hands, hands are like satellites yeah um so i guess the thing i'll say is that it, it fits in with this temple and also fits in with the bottom of the well um in in a few ways i mean so severing hands has always been like the the historic like punishment for a thief um but being scalped I guess, because that's what it looks like in at least in the 3DS version, it looks very much like this this person's head was scalped open. Um has been and this is very graphic, like I'm gonna have to put some kind of warning on this episode. But um but that's that's like a war thing to do. Like that's very much like punishing like your enemies in war. Um it it's it's been used by like several different cultures around the world in ancient history. Um I mean, I find that it, I mean, if I don't know that it's meant to be a humiliating thing or what, but it's, it's very much like, like something that you do to a prisoner of war or like someone who, you know, on the, even just on the battlefield, like people will like collect scalps from their victims or whatever. Like it's like an intimidation thing, you know? Um, so yeah, so this, this character, I mean, this Bongo Bongo seems to be I, I don't want to try to peg them as like this was some kind of like singular thief or character from the past i think that this is like it's a shadow phantom beast so i think that the imagery here is meant to mean like this is kind of a culmination of this dark past like this is like people who were punished or defeated in war um like all of that dark spirit all of that dark energy whatever like from these cruel and unusual punishments kind of coming together to make bongo bongo a thing you know i don't know why he plays the drums i feel like that's very much like a telltale heart kind of thing <laughs> um again like we're, we're uncovering the truth of the past and that's that's what the telltale heart story is about like you know you can like the 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 murderer <laughs> in that story can like hear the heartbeat through the floorboards you know um 
so it's not a heartbeat, but it's very clearly like he's signaling out um, what's happened. You know, what did you guys think of the boss though? Uh, he was it was actually a relatively annoying fight for me. I had I went at like half health when I went in, got knocked all the way down, had to use my fairy, and then probably lost about three or four hearts after being fully revived. Which is pretty bad for me. I watched a YouTube video before I played him on the strategy to the best strategy to beat him. And basically you just shoot his either hand with an arrow as quick as you can in the beginning of the fight and then wait for him to like launch at you. Mm-hmm. And as close as he gets to launch at you, just you're going to want the lens of truth probably. Cause otherwise you just have to do a guessing game where he's, when he's launching at you with his hands. But yeah, you just either do a spin attack or launch another arrow at him and just repeat the process. I think like, after every time you smack the crap out of him, he's going to like kind of shoot his hands out like a rocket. And then you just keep repeating and rinsing that tactic until he's dead. So it's not like too bad if you can control him. But if you can't control him, he could be a nuisance. Yeah, the, the fight is actually kind of like built along the same rhythm that he's playing on the drum, which is a weird way to look at it. But basically it's mm-hmm. hand-hand face hand hand face right like so you shoot one hand you want to immediately shoot the other as fast as you can because it like once one is stunned the other one will immediately kind of go into an attack um but if you shoot them both before they get to you then you've passed that first stage um then he'll both of his hands will become fists and he'll kind of like come down to the drum and sweep towards you um, and that's when you want to have the lens of truth on, because then you can lock onto his face and shoot him anywhere in his path. Um, as long as he's down at the drum, he'll he'll get stunned, and you can run up and get some hits in. And then you just kind of, yeah, rinse and repeat. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't really get much harder as the fight goes on. But um, but if you're struggling with like shooting the hands or anything like that, um, he, I mean, he's got some pretty nasty moves where he'll grab you and throw you out into the acid or just like beat up on you real, like in, in brutal ways. So you really want to, it's, you just want to shoot him as fast as you can, really. Yeah. The more you let him do, the worst time you're going to have. Yeah. Uh, so I have sort of a, a possible origin of what Bongo Bongo is that I was thinking. Okay. We know of the guy telling us about the man in the well, right? That he had a particular way of doing things, and mm-hmm. he trained his mind's eye to see the truth, right? And his house stood where the well is now. Now, basically, we see that um, Bongo Bongo has one eye. It's a very different eye than every other eye in the whole world we've seen. And it's possible that Bongo Bongo is the man who had lived where the well stood. And that's why he was in there. And he, saw, he, he escaped. He maybe once was a Sheikah with the way... You know how the Mask of Truth and all the Sheikah basically statues are all that one eye, the true eye, basically, the eye of truth? Mm-hmm. We could kind of think that Bongo Bongo's eye could possibly be like, maybe Bongo Bongo knows the truth. Maybe he's not necessarily like 
a bad thing. Maybe, maybe the Sheikah and Hyrule were trying to cover up this man. Maybe he wasn't a Sheikah, but maybe they were trying to cover this man up from existence because maybe he knew too much because he, he did train his mind and his eye to figure out the truth. And they were like, well, we can't have that. So let's trap you in this well. And now he's just because, you know, they tortured him, they trapped him, all that other stuff. So I don't know. And then once Ganondorf became king, obviously he frees Bongo Bongo and is like, hey, you work for me now. And Bongo's like, cool, let me go kill all the Sheikahs. <laughs> That's my theory, but I don't know. It's either that, it's either that, that he maybe might, might be that man, or it's just another beast of Ganon's creation. Either one. But yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it, it makes sense either way. Like, I feel like if Ganondorf has a play in this one, because, you know, he usually has some kind of plan <laughs> with the things that he does, um, like, he's very directly involved with obviously his own shadow Ganon. He was involved with bringing Volvagia back from the dead to eat the Gorons. He froze over, you know, Zora's domain. And I don't know if he created Morpha or put Morpha there. Like, there really isn't a story around Morpha that's given to you, other than that's the source of the ice somehow. Um, and then, and then, so this one, again, like, they don't say, oh, Ganondorf released this monster or is doing this thing in Kakariko. It's just like, you show up and the world's on fire and you're like going after yeah. the shadow beast. So um, I don't know how to explain what Ganondorf's play. I mean, if anything, I think maybe maybe he's trying to exploit the Sheikah's dark past to basically be like, who are you to judge me? Like, who are you to say that I'm this evil king when clearly you guys are have this whole history of injustice? And well you know, justice without truth, like we were saying before, which would be injustice. But like you have this dark, bloody history, like like there's evil everywhere. It's not just me. Like what do you mean? Like I don't think he's trying to like be defensive like that, but I I think maybe he's trying to to use that to to like shake the confidence of, of the people, you know, like like this is this is the world that was destroyed. It really wasn't anything anyway. Like you know, you guys should just be willing to to kind of accept this new order. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I feel that. I feel like we don't get the story to Bongo Bongo. We don't. I think the way that they tell it, he's been sealed away already. He's just this evil force, and I think yeah, Ganondorf lets him out because he likes chaos. He wants everything to be destroyed, and. I don't know, maybe just the negativity of the Shadow Temple is what drew Bongo Bongo like to go in there in the first place, and that's when Impa tried to run in and and do do her thing and seal him. That's the thing that it makes me wonder though, you know, like if he like why would he run to the Shadow Temple that has a perfectly placed drum ready for him to like live his life by, you know? And it's like, I just can't help but think that the man that we talked to says the man in this very village who had an eye that could see the truth. Not like eyes, but in eye. One eye, which is what Bongo Bongo has. So I just like, I don't know, I want to correlate the two. Well, the lens of truth also looks like the like an eye, so you could call that an eye. Right, like it could have just been the lens, yeah. I mean, yeah. It could have been he had a physical lens. 
I mean, they obviously very well could be talking about the lens of truth, but yeah, they they I don't, don't know. they don't give you a huge story. I mean, even the story itself is broken. I mean, if you if you talk to, um, you know that dude who's in is in Impa's house and is like, you're rude for coming into a house that's not yours or whatever. When you go back as an adult to Kakariko, if you go and talk to that guy, he um like even before you've done any other temple, like if you were to just become an adult, go straight to Kakariko, talk to this man, he'll he'll give you some trouble for walking into a house that's not yours again, and then I'll be like, Oh, whatever, it's not my house anyway, it's Impa's. She went to the Shadow Temple to try to seal up Bongo Bongo. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I don't think he actually names Bongo Bongo, but he basically says that Impa went to the Shadow Temple to deal with something um, way before the, the rest of the story agrees with that. <laughs> um, hmm. Because she's not supposed to go there until Bongo Bongo was already gone there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's just funny. When I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. I don't think you're supposed to say that yet, sir. <laughs> Yeah, the game definitely had incorrect speech patterns. Yeah, they missed a dialogue option for that guy before the Shadow Temple stuff. They should have triggered it the first time that you return to a kid is after being an adult. That's funny. Yeah, so that's why, I mean, that's that's why this whole chapter is, like, super obscure to me. Like, I feel like they were gonna tell some, some kind of story with this chapter that ended up getting scrapped or left on the drawing table. Well, yeah, because, like... They were going to connect everything in the OG version, and it, it sort of reminds me of that that man that we talked about before we became an adult who was in the middle of an alley dying, saying there was this huge battle, and then like you go out and there's never a battle because they scrapped the whole scene. It's like, I think they took stuff out and then never went through it again to make sure that it made sense, and then we're just left with the final product, which isn't bad. It's just there's nothing yeah, it's, there. It's dark, it's fun, it's you know, it seems yeah. really heavy and um I I for the most part I enjoy it, even though it's kinda like, you know, one of the one of the horror dungeons, but it, you know, it's it's I love it. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think it's a fun dungeon. Like it's that, my favorite that's why I think, my so the far. entire storytelling that we've been kinda tuning into has suddenly become guesswork because there's just not enough information here. Um, but at the same time, like I do like looking into it and thinking about, okay, what could this mean? And, you know, where do I think, you know, where do I think this fits into the rest of the story? And, and it's, you know, in, in some cases you might take the stance of, no, the Sheikah were never evil. Like something else was using this dungeon for all these purposes and the Sheikah uh, cleared it or, you know, whatever. Like, I don't think, I mean, you could make that argument just as easy because there's no real evidence of who was doing what, you know? Yeah, um, if it was Hyruleans or Sheikah or it, who was it? It just seems like a really evocative story to me <laughs> to see it that way, to see the Sheikahs having this dark past as serving the the royal family, and that's where this comes from. Like, that, that to me is an engaging and, like, sophisticated story. Um and so that's kind of what I go with when I think about this. And I don't, I don't like seeing Impa in that light, but at the same time, it's like, she's not like that. She's not, she's not, <laughs> she's not going around administering justice where no justice is needed. Like she's, she's, if anything, like she doesn't follow that pattern at all. Like maybe that's what the Sheikah used to be, but now she's trying to actually bring it back to what they were supposed to be, you know? If you think about it, you know, we only really know so far of two Sheikah that are technically still remaining, you know? Yeah. So 
we have Sheik and Impa. So maybe there was an end put to the Sheikah that we don't know about yet. And <laughs> the Yiga. <laughs> the Yiga. <laughs> I'm sorry. And on that note, we uh, we beat Bongo Bongo, and he turns into dust, and we get a heart piece, and then he evaporates. We then transport ourselves to the to the uh, what's it called? The Chamber of Sages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we, we actually see Impa again for the first time in a long time, and we use Din's fire. <laughs> no, um, and she basically just. You know, does another one of those like good job. I knew you had it in you. You're really becoming a hero. You know, I'm going to give you this. I think that, you know, Impa tells you to take care of it. Like, he basically, you will run into Zelda at some point soon. Um, she's still alive, which is kind of a cool reveal. Um, so take, take care of that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then basically says, like, I'm going to give you this medallion. I'm sure my power will be useful to you, basically. Um, so yeah, she's, she, you know, goes through that, you know, Impa is like, we've gone through all these other relationships that we have with these characters. Um, we have, you know, best friends and then we have brothers and then we have our spouse and Impa is kind of like a comrade, I guess. Like she's, she's there, like she's loyal to the family. She's, she's on the same team as you. Like you guys are kind of, um, Nah, I don't say brothers in arms, but like, you know, like she's, you're all on the same team. You're on the same mission. So her, her whole deal, like her, her relationship to you and to Zelda is defined by loyalty. Um, like almost like unquestioning loyalty because I, I don't, I don't know entirely what the, like why she's like that with you too, but like that's, that's what your relationship looks like. Like she's not really there to be like this kind hearted, whatever person, like, no, like your relationship is defined by your mission and she's, she's loyal to that mission. So, um, it's another facet of relationships. I mean, that's, that's more like if you had a teammate that you weren't really friends with off the team, um, like you still have that understanding of one another and and can still read each other on a, on a field, you know? Um, I think that's, I think that's what they were going for with her. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the end of this chapter. Is after we talk to her, get the get the reveal that we will soon see see Zelda. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up that I don't know if we mentioned earlier. Did you guys know the well is actually called the Well of Three Features? I did. And the, if you read the sign, the three features are like I don't even remember what it says, like dark, deep, and scary, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> No, dark, narrow, and scary. Dark, dark narrow, narrow, and scary. scary. The well of three features. And I just, I thought it was hilarious. I, I think that's to hilarious too. I think it's funny that the Kakariko literally have a sign that says that. <laughs> dark, narrow, and scary well. You don't want to go down there. And little do they know there's actually like 12 features. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a water feature. It's pretty great. There's a giant flying skull that's on fire sometimes. <laughs> and some hands. Uh, torture device and some prison cells <laughs> and a couple <laughs> dead bodies just lying around chained a up. couple just it's a fine. couple <laughs> what do you mean by a couple <laughs> uh like piles of bones <laughs> every other room. fresh blood around no, the room okay. a sorry bit. a couple that were still talking to me many many more <laughs> that weren't talking to me 
Wait. Yeah. I think I think we're I think we're pretty much ready to wrap it up then. I would agree. All right. So yeah, this has been our episode of A for No B for Yes. If you uh if you have anything to add, you have any other speculation that you think that this chapter is about or this temple is about or what have you, uh write into us, give us your arguments, give us your reasonings. Um honestly, this is one of the most open-ended episodes I think we've had and um not sure that we really served you that well, but you know what? Write to us anyway. Uh, A for no, B for yes at gmail.com. Any of our regular links, they'll all be in the description. So, uh, yeah, hope to hear from you soon, and uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Did you get all that? Woof. Woof. So much woof. Shut up!